This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 23rd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. If you like financial privacy, there are good reasons to be skeptical of a U.S.-run central bank digital currency. Will Luther is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. We discuss the push for a central bank digital currency and what it could mean for the ability of Americans to maintain control and discretion over their financial dealings. What are your biggest concerns about a central bank digital currency, given the experience that we've seen in China? China. Well, I think that the biggest risk of having a central bank digital digital currency is just the possibility that this will uh, further erode the financial privacy that we have. Um, especially if we're if we're looking at a country like China. I think about China's experience with the internet and not so keen to be open, right? They have erected this major firewall that prevents their citizens from accessing some external sites. Um, they monitor what their citizens um, post and uh, they censor those posts. Um, and they seem to be doing much the same thing when it comes to money. So they're piloting this central bank digital currency, the EU one. And that EU one gives them the ability to monitor all the transactions that their customers, uh, that their their citizens are, are making, and um, and also preventing some of those transactions from taking place should they see fit to do so. Um, so I think financial privacy, and in particular, uh, having some financial privacy from the government, uh, is a um, uh, unlikely to to result if we have. CBDCs. So it, it we should understand in the in the context of cryptocurrency in general, we see that some of these individual coins can be programmed to behave in certain ways and to uh, not allow certain transactions to occur, and yet uh, encourage other transactions to occur. In the case of China, before we started recording, you mentioned that uh, imagine a coin, uh, a digital currency, where some portion of it could only be used for a specific purpose. Yeah, you can think about perhaps some benign uses or maybe even some socially beneficial uses. You know, maybe the 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 government decides it wants to to encourage people to use the the subway. And so um, it essentially hands out free subway tokens. But what it actually does is just take some of its central bank digital currency and, and send that to every household. But these particular coins in your wallet, um, you, you can only spend them uh, at the subway. Um, and when you, when you hear someone explain a programmable money like that, you think, wow, that's uh, quite the technology. You can get targeted spending. Um, and that's true, but you also need to, to think about what else that enables. That is, if you can limit a coin to being spent on the subway, right? essentially what you're doing there is preventing that coin from being spent anywhere else. And if you can do that for the purposes of encouraging subway usage, you can do that for anything. And and you can use this power for nefarious ends as well. If you're if the political opposition is uh, rallying, uh, you can cut off their accounts. You can prevent the balances they hold from being sent anywhere. Um, so I think that you know, like any power, if you can use it for good, you can use it for evil as well. And and with things like programmable money, that 
um, that gets pretty scary pretty quickly. <laughs> so let's think about this more deeply because I, I think it's valuable to understand what a programmable currency could do to people. You essentially, as the state, to the extent that you're uh, distributing this to a population, you can set budgets for individual families yeah. to spend X on a, sp a specific thing or Y on some other thing. And uh, it is a powerful tool of social control. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, in fairness, we should we should recognize that there's a difference between what's technically possible and what's politically possible. Um, if you live in a country um, where you have strong democratic norms and, a, and, and principles of liberalism that are deep-rooted, then it's, it's difficult for the government to impose very draconian policies without some public backlash, without uh, suffering some losses at the ballot box. Um, and so, so there are other constraints uh, beyond the technical constraints. But, but yeah, when we're talking about the potential of a, a programmable money to, to make someone's life miserable, um, there aren't very many technical constraints there. Uh, you can you can program a household's budget, as you said, um, and and you can cut them off entirely. You can reduce them to barter if you would like. Um, and and there's nothing in the the code that would require you to treat households equally. So you can pick winners and losers in the most devastating of way if you had control of that power. So. Uh... In the U.S. context, uh, your concern is is less substantial than it is in the context of China. That is, China is a totalitarian society and is demonstrably so and has been for quite some time. And uh, in the U.S. context, you argue basically because of the liberalism that we enjoy as a deep-rooted principle of American life that it's less likely that the Fed or Congress would then direct the Fed to uh, program coins to behave in certain ways and that Americans' financial privacy would be preserved better. But, you know, in comparison to China, not exactly a ringing endorsement. Yeah, it's a pretty low bar, right? I, I complain a lot about eroding civil liberties in the U.S., um, but but certainly compared to a, a country like China, we have it pretty well. Um, the the risks in the U.S. there there are risks that are similar to to China, and 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 um, we've talked about monitoring and and programmable money, um, but. In terms of the magnitude of those risks, I think they're much lower in the U.S. The, the bigger concern in the U.S. context, I think, is that a central bank digital currency would be used to conduct monetary policy in ways that perhaps officials at the Fed think uh, would be desirable, um, but the average American would not like very much. And in particular, I'm thinking about a policy where the Fed um, uh, uh, sets interest rates uh, to be negative, which effectively means that your your digital account balance um, loses some dollars each period. Now, today, the the Fed struggles to would struggle to do something like that. They can 
They can levy negative rates on banks holding reserve balances at the Fed, and banks might try to pass on those negative rates to their customers, but but those customers have the option to withdraw to cash, and cash is a zero uh, interest rate. Um, and so since customers can withdraw to cash, um, they can avoid uh, negative interest rates if they were to be uh, imposed. If instead what you hold is a digital account balance at the Fed, um, then the Fed can levy a negative interest rate on on your account, and uh, there's not much that you can do to to avoid that. And the Fed owns the ledger. That's right. Yeah, there are a couple, you know, different proposals for how a central bank digital currency could um, could could be implemented. Um, in my ideal scenario, we would have you know quasi anonymous tokens, and certainly there's a technology that is capable of delivering that. But um, at least so far, Fed officials have not been too keen on those uh, uh, kind of um, initiatives. They don't want to promote that kind of level of uh, financial privacy. Instead, what the Fed has offered is what's called an intermediated central bank digital currency, which basically means that a bank will set up your account with the, with the Fed and manage that account. Um, and so you'll comply with no, the bank will comply with you know your customer laws much as they as they do today. And so in that case, you would have less financial privacy than you would with say cash, um, but uh, more or less the same amount of financial privacy as you have today with your bank account balance. A third way of of introducing a central bank digital currency would be for the the central bank and in our case the Fed to to manage and control the the actual ledger. Um, so it wouldn't go through a, um, a financial institutions. It wouldn't be intermediated in that way. And and that I think would would see us end up with financial privacy that's not only less than what we have with cash, but also less than what we have with with existing bank accounts. So the Fed would be able to monitor our transactions there if they if they um, uh, were were um, uh, so inclined, they they wouldn't need to um, to get a court order, for example. So it was a case a few years back where the IRS suspected that some folks that were holding um, Bitcoin on Coinbase were not um, were not reporting their capital gains, and they basically um, got a court to uh, issue a John Doe summons to Coinbase. And the, the request was initially, send us all your data on all your customers. Of course. <laughs> Very broad. Um, and uh, Coinbase, being a private company, pushed back against this. They said, wait a second, that's way too broad. Let's, you know, let's take this to court. And eventually, they, they got this reduced um, so that it was just send us most of the data on most of your customers. So uh, um, an improvement, per perhaps not as big improvement as someone like me would like, but an improvement. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that the Fed would, would take the IRS to court if the IRS re requested uh, data from the Fed. I think that's very unlikely. Um, and so we, by, by removing that distance that we currently have between the banks that we use and, and the governments um, that uh, set, set the laws and regulations that we have to, to follow, by, by, by reducing that distance, um, the, you lose 
you lose some some scope for 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 financial privacy there. For our younger listeners, uh, I feel like we need to stress the degree to which Americans, broadly speaking, have lost financial privacy since oh, about mid September two thousand one, and it it's been fairly dramatic. And we are at a point now where there is a large uh, minority in Congress that believes that because financial transaction data exists, that the IRS simply should have access to it for the purpose of levying taxes, among other potential uses of that information. Yeah, that's right. You know, So the basic idea there is that any of us could be a terrorist, so all of us have to have our accounts uh, ready to be surveilled. We have to comply with know your customer laws when you open a bank account. Um, when you send a transaction, it's always uh, possible for the government to find out who you are and who you sent the funds to. And even if you go to cash, right? Even if you go to cash, um, if your cash transactions are too large, the the bank will have to 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 report that you have taken out more than $10,000 or that you have structured withdrawals in such a way that um, the, the total exceeded $10,000. Um, and, and as a result of all of that, we uh, aren't able to make private transactions to the extent that, that we have in, in the past. Now, the, the usual retort is, what do you have to hide? And my response to that is, it's none of your business what I have to hide um, because I have a, a, a right to, to privacy to conduct transactions with, with my friends and neighbors that uh, we both find mutually beneficial and don't involve anyone else. And we should be able to make those transactions without uh, having to reveal that we're making those transactions to anyone else. So where does this stand? I know there is th this push for the Fed to be involved in, I mean, is this crypto really? <laughs> I mean, it is It is in the sense that it's protected, it's locked down, there's a, a finite, which, you know, we can debate whether or not the Fed is involved in finite money, um, but, you know, it's protected in a way, uh, but it has features that cash just simply doesn't have. Yeah, well, in in terms of where we stand, um, a, about a month ago, the the Fed put out a a white paper um, that basically laid out their plan for a central bank digital currency. Um, but they were very careful to say that it wasn't a plan; that it was just a starting point and a broader conversation, and that it wasn't a plan because the president and Congress had not charged the Fed with creating a central bank digital currency. And they made it very clear that they would not take any next steps unless they received such a charge. And of course, in the time since, President Biden has put out an executive order, which um, makes it very clear that involved agencies um, will, will, uh, are expected to uh, conduct research and consider the extent to which a central bank digital currency uh, makes sense for for the U.S. So that's um, that looks to me like the Fed asked for 
permission, and the the president signaled that permission would be forthcoming. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that evolves. And uh, based on what the Fed has put out there, uh, you mentioned that financial privacy was not going to be a high priority. Um, but to the extent that Congress might act, I can imagine both sides, uh, Republicans and Democrats, finding particular areas in which they they want the power to turn off the ability of Americans to spend on X, even if X is not prohibited. Uh, in the case of Republicans, I can imagine a Disney Plus subscription might be something on the table. Uh, and for Democrats, maybe it's cigarettes, maybe it's uh, so- something else. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, to to the contrary, there's a a, a bill that's in the um, the the House Financial Services Committee at the moment um, that would see the Treasury issue a a, a digital account balance um, uh, money that is uh, that has many of the financial privacy features of cash. Um, but being proposed in the House Financial Services Committee is a pretty far cry from <laughs> making it through the House and Senate. Um, so I'm not very optimistic that um, that, that bill will, will make it through. And even if it does, it would be pretty limited in terms of the amount of financial privacy it would actually provide because of uh, likely account balance uh, maximums and such. I think we're much more likely to end up with a central bank digital currency that even if is intermediated by private banks will um, be easily surveilled and that the government will at least have the potential to monitor our transactions and potentially even program our transactions. And our only defense against that will be to, to preserve the the belief in liberalism that uh, has historically um, been very important in the U.S. Will Luther is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.